Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this edition of WI2C Radio. We are finally going to breach into Revelation chapter 7. This is the question. Why the interlude? Why does Revelation stop breaking the seals and take pause? Why does it give us a Selah moment? Ladies and gentlemen, you might be surprised. I have had literally thousands of requests to do this show because they all had the same thing to say. This is where we get lost. Really? I replied, there's only one chapter you have to read in the Old Testament to really find your way. It's really easy to do. So, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we're going to cover that topic which, well, I couldn't find any resources on this at all. The entertainment industry provided massive distractions, uh, but I couldn't find anybody that even had a hint. It precludes they had no clue what they were talking about. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let's play our intro song for ETT. Let it sink in what I've stated to you. What if you knew the entire time – well, let's just state the obvious. All of you have been studying Bible prophecy for 20 years, right? What if you'd known the whole time there was a single Old Testament chapter – that you could weave right into the fabric of the seventh seal and really be pointed out exactly what's going on. Hmm. Riddle me that. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. Riddle me this. Will you need your hinds feet in heaven? And tell me if you can. Will you be given the wings of an eagle so you can fly to heaven? Let's get this started with a kick, shall we? 
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of WI2C Radio. Boy, it's uh, exciting to get on with this. I've had so many emails, Brian, um, about this very thing because they can't move forward. They get lost right here in the consternation of it all. Um, so today I went to great lengths to make a, a post, a read-along for um, scripture reading we're going to do. But uh, Brian, your, your opening comments on this part of Revelation, I mean we know that everybody gets down the seals, right? They get down the trumpets, they get down the vials. But right here, you just get lost in Revelation because it, it stops the ordering. You get an interlude. What's your thoughts on the interlude, Brian? Well, I mean, with careful examination of some of the things being stated there, I think it's interlude is, uh, well, how did it uh, come to mind when I stopped to think about it? Oh, yeah, vantage point vantage point because I noticed something there about how people don't seem to realize that when you're at the center of time you're capable of seeing in all directions Brian I got to say to that exactamundo <laughs> exactamundo so ladies and gentlemen we have to cover things here that's just uh Really off the charts. Uh, you might want to check your show notes because I have provided a read-along that is nothing more than two chapters interwoven together chronologically. Well, third time's a charm. It starts in the middle of one chapter. So, ladies and gentlemen, everything that Brian just said, once you read it, and I even color-coded it uh, for... Uh, those that can't uh, see very well, I understand that the high contrast uh, phones give uh, some people problems because I've I've had plenty of correspondence about that, so I even color-coded it. So let's just take a listen to it. But ladies and gentlemen, right now, if you're listening to this broadcast, look down the show notes. And I have in there a post on the End Time Tribune entitled Read Along. Now – the top is the KJV, and the bottom is the NASB. So whichever you'd rather uh, follow along on is uh, quite appropriate. You're going to get the gist of it. But it's going to blow your mind, ladies and gentlemen, when you take a single chapter in the Old Testament and weave into it the timeline, it makes perfect sense. But you have to have ears that can hear. So, please bring up that blog post so you can listen. But it also will do you good if you just sit back and get your eyes off the computer or your phone and just listen. Because remember, this is done chronologically. I have not swapped around any verses or anything like that. I just wove them together. That's all I did. So with that in mind, uh, if you're driving, just 
roll up the windows or whatever, uh, turn the air conditioning off so you can listen intently. And listen to God's wonders revealed. I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Then white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. I saw the Lord standing upon the altar, and he said, Smite the lintel of the door, that the posts may shake, and cut them in the head, all of them, and I will slay the last of them with the sword. He that fleeth of them shall not flee away, and he that escapeth of them shall not be delivered. Though they dig into hell, thence shall mine hand take them, though they climb up to heaven, thence will I bring them down. And though they hide themselves in the top of Carmel, I will search and take them out thence. And though they be hid from my sight in the bottom of the sea, thence will I command the serpent, and he shall bite them. And though they go into captivity before their enemies, thence will I command the sword, and it shall slay them. And I will set mine eyes upon them for evil and not for good. And though they go into captivity before their enemies, thence will I command the sword, and it shall slay them. And I will set mine eyes upon them for evil and not for good. And the Lord God of hosts is he that toucheth the land, and it shall melt, and all that dwell therein shall mourn, and it shall rise up wholly like a flood, and shall be drowned as by the flood of Egypt. It is he that buildeth his stories in the heaven, and hath founded his troop in the earth, he that calleth for the waters of the sea, and poureth them out upon the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. There was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind, and the heaven departed as a scroll when it was rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places, and the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Are ye not as children of the Ethiopians unto me, O children of Israel, saith the Lord? Have not I brought up Israel out of the land of Egypt, and the Philistines from Kaphtor, and the Syrians from Ker? Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are upon the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from off the face of the earth, saving that. I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, saith the Lord. For lo, I will command, and I will sift the house of Israel among all nations, like as corn is sifted in a sieve, yet shall not the least grain fall upon the earth. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, which say, The evil shall not overtake nor prevent us. 
And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and they were sealed, an hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed twelve thousand, of the tribe of Reuben were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Gad were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Asa were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Nephtalim were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Manassas were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Simeon were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Levi were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Issachar were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Zebulun were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Joseph were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed 12,000. In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen and close up the breaches thereof and I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom, and of all the heathen which are called by my name, saith the Lord, that doeth this. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, and kindreds, and people in tongues, stood before the throne, and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple, and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes, him that soweth seed. And the mountain shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. And I will bring again the captivity of my people of Israel. And they shall build the waste cities, and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards, and drink the wine thereof. They shall also make gardens, and eat the fruit of them. And I will plant them upon their land and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God.
I hope everybody realized when you read through that, it made absolutely sense and explained itself. Now you know why that... Well, now you know how the plowman is going to overtake, be overtaken by the reaper. Well, he actually already told you name of six, how that was going to work out. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are expecting a rapturous ascension to heaven, you're wrong, and you were always wrong. God never said that, and he always puts that in a bad connotation. Here, you gain understanding. Just like Revelation explains, he really is going to set up his kingdom here. He's coming here. And when Christ rules within his millennial kingdom, that's how you're going to be able to do all those fancy things. Because you're not going to get hot. You're not going to become exhausted. So, when you realize that the tabernacle of David mentioned in Amos chapter 9 is directly tied... Uh, to when God tabernacles with you in Revelation chapter 7, it all makes sense. Now, you'll take note that uh, switching back and forth to the translations in my read-along, I had to correct the translation because in the New American Standard Bible, it only used tabernacles in one of the instances. And then the KJV reverses it and uses it in the first instance, making sure you remain confused about what's going on. So, with that in mind, uh, now we can – now that all of you have a basis, you can sit there and check those notes and go back and through, and they're nice and color-coded for you. Uh, it probably actually makes – everything makes sense as of right now. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're, of course, going to go through the text um, itself. Uh, so if you want to go over to uh, Revelation chapter 7, we're going to start from the top. Uh, Brian and I will be switching back from Hebrew to Greek. Uh, we'll be talking about um, using the New American Standard Bible, probably the Thompson. Uh, Brian will probably use, and the KJV, so it doesn't matter. Uh, just try to remember this is fluid, okay? You need to learn how to jump back and forth between American translations because they are not the Word of God. The Word of God is the original language it was delivered in. So, with that in mind, uh, Brian and I will try to use some KJV because I know uh, many of you that are crowned with silver have completely rejected um, all forms of uh, the new translations, and I understand that you can't understand when you're reading and you're trying to read along with Brian and I and we're reading out of the uh, the English Standard Version or something. It's 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 kind of confusing to you because you have you have poor eyesight. You can't follow along. But if you just relax your mind, uh, make no mistakes about it, uh, you will understand what's going on here. There's no longer for you to worry about this anymore. Um, I've just received just too many emails. Uh, from those that are crowned with silver, asking me to call them be because they try to follow along and they don't understand um, where I'm reading from, or they try to follow in the KJV and that they get lost. So, if you are crowned with silver, 
and you need my personal help, just get me your phone number, and when I'm free, I will walk you through everything in the KJV so that you can read along with your large print Bible. Okay, no problem whatsoever. Brian and I have no problem with the, any type of translation. Just remember that there are paraphrases we outright reject. Now, those are only good for children by way of learning the stories. So the translations are the English Standard Version, uh, New American Standard Bible, King James Version, uh, um, well, some other ones. Uh, the New Revised Standard Version, those are actually translations, but things like the NIV, ladies and gentlemen, that's not a translation, that's a, that's a, that's a paraphrase. It is only suitable for children learning the stories, that's all. So, let me say that one more time. If you are crowned with silver, by that way I mean you are a senior, and you have trouble following along, uh, I will certainly take a great swath of my personal time and direct it towards you to make sure that you understand because, well, you're you're all more important than Brian and I. Um, the Ecclesia absolutely depends upon your prayers. Um, you know, and I got several emails stating that you all literally pray for hours on end. So what you're doing is more important than what Brian and I is doing. So we can stop what we're doing and no problem whatsoever. Uh, Brian, do we have you back in the saddle, bud? Um, and uh, just on a curious public note, what was you looking for? Or can that be shared? Well, to a degree, let's see. First, I was looking for getting new coffee. Then I found out I had to put a trash bag in the trash can. And then I had to sit down and continue to listen and read what you were doing, and now I'm looking at wind. <laughs> was I clear enough there? That, that was pretty crystal clear. You know, Brian, your your opening comments were absolutely right on time, prophetically speaking, and target. The whole purpose, ladies and gentlemen, and the reason why there is an interlude of Revelation chapter 7 is because time has gone topsy-turvy. Please try to understand this. When the Lord your God, and you'll take note that when we interwove in the chapter, that's why Amos comes out and says, the Lord is his name. He is not talking about Jesus. This is the great day of you who sitteth upon the throne. When he impacts planet Earth, the reason why we have seasons is because we're tilted a little bit on our axis. That's why there's uh, winter and summer and all those types of things. When he gets back, we go up to a zero-degree axis. Now, on top of this, the Bible also states that it comes right out and says in the book of Revelation that one-third of time is struck. So literally, right now you have 24 hours in the day. After the great day of he who sitteth upon the throne, once the tidal uh, gravitational pulls within the, the planet's locks back into place, we're only going to have 16-hour days, ladies and gentlemen. Just take 
Just take 24 and divide it by 3 and subtract that integer. We're going to 16-hour days. We're also going to 360-day years. That means not only does our rotation or our spin change, ladies and gentlemen, that means our year. A year is comprised of the planet Earth going around the sun one time. That's going to be done in 360 days, and that's not what I'm saying. That's what he said, and that's what he's going to do. So you have to understand that that takes time. If he was to do this all at once, the planet Earth would fly apart. We would explode. Okay, so there is a duration of time that this takes place. He has stated in the book of Daniel that this actually takes 45 days. Now, we don't know if he's speaking sidereally. That's that's kind of complicated. Uh, we don't know if he's speaking uh, 45 days as far as the length of year or 45 days is in 24 hours. We don't know which, but... We can say this, that this is why the 45 days is never spoken. It's encoded. It's encoded in the book of Daniel. He gives you 1,290, and then he says, blessed are those who make it to the end of the 1,335. So he says it without stating it, expecting you to look for this in Scripture and this is the greatest example of here. You go through seal number one, two, three, four. They are personified. And then you get to five and, well, wait a minute. What, what's this doing? He's giving you the reason why he's getting ready to kick us off our axis. Then we have the six seal event, which is the event horizon. To time going topsy turvy. After that, after this chapter, you get the final seal. Time is locked in place. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're not in a place that has been prepared for you by him who sitteth upon the throne, you're in a world of hurt. I mean, most of you cannot wrap your mind around the simple fact that – let me explain it to you like this. The angels won't be invisible anymore, ladies and gentlemen. They'll be here with you physically. The Bible goes to great lengths to explain this so many different ways. Literally, the Bible says in the apocalypse of Isaiah that they're trapped here in a cage. And they're going to be extremely angry. And they're not going to be diminished, ladies and gentlemen. They will still hold and control their vast swath of God-given power. God never says he takes any of their power away from them. So this is going places… That your blockbuster sci-fi movies can't even go to. 
This will be utterly and completely undescribable. Hell on earth. As the Lord your God commands death, stay his hand. Ladies and gentlemen, they're not going to be able to die. The only ones that are permitted to die is to satiate the scapegoat's wrath. The rest of those in the outer darkness, they can't die, and they gnaw their tongues literally because you can talk to a nurse about this or a doctor. What happens to you when shock cannot set in and save you? You need to understand that usually during massive trauma, shock will set in, and that will actually save you. Slows the heart rate down, you pass out, yada, 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 but you won't be able to go into shock. Unfortunately, we have some doctors that, of course, chronicled these things, done tests and scientific studies, proven beyond any shadow of a doubt why a person would gnaw their tongue. They are trying to redirect the pain. So we need to uh, go ahead and get into this before we get too far off the rails. Um, Brian, is it appropriate for you to read or would you like me to read? Because it uh, really doesn't matter. But I know sometimes you, you have trouble seeing the screen or your Bible, so I can read if you would like. But I've been going on here for a while, but uh, why don't you give your comments on what I just stated, and then please read uh, you know, the first stanza or whatever of Revelation chapter 7 in whatever translation you deem best. All right, well, I mean that's just it as I look through uh, – this word when there's some real, real telling things going on here. If you look deeply at what's being said in the surrounding context, but we'll get back to that after um, we move into this a little bit further. Um, well, since you brought up that it's easier for people to use the KJV, I think it would be most well suited to do that very thing. So we'll get moving here. After these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servant of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed a hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Reuben were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Gad were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Asher were sealed 12,000 of the tribe of Nephtalim were sealed 12,000 of the tribe of Manasseh were sealed 12,000 
Of the tribe of Simeon were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Levi were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Issachar were sealed 12,000. The tribe of Zebulun were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Joseph were sealed 12,000. The tribe of Benjamin were sealed 12,000. That's where I'll stop. That is good stuff. Uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, absolutely amazing the amount of data given here. Uh, no, about, no doubt about it. In light of Amos chapter 9, it all makes sense as to who's being numbered. Um, and one thing I want to bring out here is that you saw there in Revelation chapter uh, 7... It says, and I saw another angel ascending from the east. That's not quite what it says in the Greek. It's not what it says. It says, from the rising of the sun. Now, take note, ladies and gentlemen, the first time this is mentioned in the Old Testament Greek is in Numbers 21.11, directly tying it to Moab prophetically. And they journeyed from Oboth and pitched in the Ibajirim in the wilderness, which is before Moab, toward the rising of the sun. Now, this is also in the uh, prelude or the preface to the book of Asaph in Psalm chapter 50. Now, take note that uh, when you uh, switch over into the Greek, this is actually Psalm 49. So I'll read that out of the... Uh, well, we'll just go ahead and stick with the uh, King James Version. A Psalm of Asaph, the mighty God, even the Lord hath spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Now, I'll read the Thompson so we get the Greek side of the equation. A psalm of Asaph, the God of gods, the Lord, hath spoken and summoned the earth from the rising to the setting of the sun. And here, you get it in both translations that Ladies and gentlemen, you need to study the book of Asaph. This here is the preface to the book of Asaph. The book of Asaph is Psalm 73 through 83. But here he just gave you a wealth of information. And if you read the very next verse, he tells you everything you really need to know. Because he mentions a place, but let me make my point. It said he called the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, why would he call the earth out of the rising of the sun to the going down thereof? He's not talking about the sun, ladies and gentlemen. He's talking about the earth. He's literally telling you that the orbital parameter of planet Earth is going to change. He just came right out and said it. 
But let me read the next verse. And yes, in the KJV, not a problem. Out of Zion. Now please look into all those notes you've got written down about Zion. You know that there's only one group that's going to ascend into heaven. They are called Moshim in Hebrew. Literally, the saviors, but when you pronounce it in Hebrew, it's really Moses's. It really don't make any sense. Moshe is Moses. That's how they say Moses. Putting the uh, the suffix yod mem, it's Moses, plural. The Moseses are going to ascend Mount Zion as spoken of in the book of Obadiah and Revelation chapter 14. You know who's going there. This is when God uh, gathers to the Lamb those who are with him during the time that God changes this. Okay, so now you have a lot of chapters make sense. Um, we've talked about those chapters so many times, uh, but uh, the Apocalypse of Isaiah, um, Isaiah chapter 26, uh, references in Isaiah chapter 30, uh, of course the uh, Matthew 24 instance when he comes right out and tells you, woe be unto pregnant women and nursing mothers, explaining himself he is taking the Moshim back to Mount Zion. That's how they get on Mount Zion with the Lamb looking as it had been slain. But in Revelation chapter 14, all of a sudden the Lamb is not looking as if it had been slain. This ties in both Hebraically and Gregorically speaking with the Emmanuel prophecy. These children are tied into the Emmanuel prophecy. That's why when you read um, Isaiah chapter 7 and 8, you can't understand it if you're reading it as an answer to a single prophecy. Jesus doesn't make any remote sense. So, with that in mind, we also know at this time that he becomes prototokos necros. He becomes the firstborn of the dead enter in the Hamsharatim. Those that were just numbered, we just read about them. That's who's being numbered here. And you find out in uh, the book of Amos uh, the points as to why God is angry with these and they do not become the bride. They do not get taken to a place that's been prepared for them by God. He comes right out and tells you. So, Ladies and gentlemen, just take note that it was right there the whole time. We started out that audio with, of course, the altar. And then Amos starts out with what? He tells you where he goes. Yes, that's how Amos started out. He was standing on top of the altar. That's why you have this pause as everybody scrambles. This is why you have the four angels hold back the forewind. The entirety of the angelic host is like, get out of his way. He's coming. Because the Lord your God goes way out of his way to tell you who deals with these kings, these rich rulers, 
It's not the angels. No, 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 no. The Lord your God deals with them himself. He deals with them. The angels mark the Hamsharatim. Game on. So just take note that of uh, this 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 phrase. He give you uh, these keys to this text for a reason. Now, I understand that if you're reading the KJV, it really has a way of coming out and telling you because it says the angel ascending from the east. It just doesn't say east. They include the word ascending there so you know that, well, the angel's really not coming you know, from the direction east. So it's there. You can get it if you do your studying. But, ladies and gentlemen, when you look over uh, the read-along that I provided, it makes it so crystal clear what's going on here. Who he's angry with. Why he does it that way, it, it's, it's amazing. Let's, let's read what Amos has to say about these that are being numbered, okay? I'll just, I'll just read it out of the KJV. Amos puts it like this. Are ye not as children of the Ethiopians to me, O children of Israel? Now remember... Israel, everybody tells you the wrong thing. In Hebrew, this has a yod. Israel always has a yod. So they're giving you the wrong definition in the Strongs, the electronic ones that I've seen anyway. This literally means in Hebrew, whom God straightens. Okay? Saith the Lord, have not I brought up Israel out of the land of Egypt? All of you should know that the Old Testament is just replete. It just repeats it over and over again. Remind the children, tell the children of the wonders he performed in Egypt. And of course, this generation, uh, with the once saved, always saved, hyper grace, they've completely forgot about it. They, they don't care. Let me continue reading. And the Philistines from Kazfor, and the Syrians from Kur. Behold, the eyes of the Lord are upon the sinful kingdom, letting you know outright, ladies and gentlemen, the Lord your God is telling you uh, we got people that's claiming to be Christians uh, that are sinful, and they're claiming to be sinful Christians, and that's the way it's supposed to be. No, God's not too pleased with that. This is what he says, and I will destroy it off the face of the earth saying that I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, saith the Lord. Here he goes, switches them back. They're saying they're Israel. Remember, that's what the man, his name was changed to. His name was Jacob, and here God gives it to you. I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, saith the Lord. He's telling you that they say their name is Israel. They say they're Christians, but they're not. They're really Jacob. Uh, continuing on, for lo, I will command, I will sift the house of Israel among all the nations, as corn is sifted in a sieve, 
yet shall not the least grain fall upon the earth. This leaves you scratching your head. He just come right out and told you that even though those that whom he has straightened that call themselves Christians, that really are Christians, even though they're going to be scattered, he's going to what? Relocate them, not take them to heaven. That's not what he says. He says he's going to gather them together. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, which say the evil shall not overtake or prevent us. And this is exactly what they say, ladies and gentlemen. This is exactly what they say. And that's exactly what... You're like... I've been cussed out in email because I told people they couldn't use foul language and they couldn't lie and enter the kingdom of heaven. They get furious. They get psychotic. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you put this in the proper place and have ears that can hear, whenever I read... Revelation chapter 7. I'm not doing anything special. I'm just remembering Amos chapter 9. And that's what I did in this post for everybody. This this blog post. That's why I put it in two different versions and color-coded it. I'm just showing you what I remember. That's all. And what I'm thinking about as I'm reading through it, I know what it means. Because I know what he said. I know what he did say. So when you put this in there proper context as to what's really going on, all of a sudden everything makes sense. But, uh, you know, we could certainly go ahead and read Psalm chapter 50 right here, since how I've brought that up to everybody, that look, that's why that phrase in the Greek is interjected into Psalms chapter 50. That's why. I mean, it's a very uh, uh, medium-sized chapter. It's 23 verses, which means other things too. But it's important that you're able to remember and write down your cross-references. The cross-references are so important because that's how God reminds you of your vantage point <laughs> ladies and gentlemen this chapter only makes sense to me and I'm able to put it on a timeline for one reason I have the vantage point not of the book of Revelation but of the law and the prophets so my vantage point uh, is Psalm 73 my vantage point is is, is Amos chapter 5 uh, we just talked about that a little bit lightly on Brian's uh, program last night that's my vantage point. The law and the prophets. That's my baseline. That's my foundation. So, when you realize that, uh, you realize why, uh, well, Psalms chapter 50, uh, verse 5, I think, he comes right out and tells you that he's going to gather you together. You're not 
going to partake in a rapturous ascension above the stars of God. That's not going to happen, and that's bad. That's completely negative. You don't want to do that. That's It's not... Of course, this is why uh, the phrase... Um, the rising of the east. And that's why those two words are inverted. They're switched around in Isaiah chapter 11 twice. Because God's trying to show you something. He's trying to let you know all about what's going to happen during the sucking child that shall play with the asp. And I don't want to that's the problem, ladies and gentlemen. I can just quote from the Law and the Prophets all day long, but that reference there is to Isaiah chapter 11, so I can't just keep bringing up chapters and keep bringing up chapters and keep bringing up chapters because I can. I can literally talk all day about this one verse because I remember, because I remember, I remember what's at play here. I know what's going on. I know what's going to happen. I know… Because he said it so many times over and over and over. So maybe we should take a break from my commentary. Uh, Brian, please step in. Offer your commentary on what you read. Or you can uh, talk about Isaiah chapter 11 or uh, Psalm chapter 50 or whatever. It, it doesn't matter. You uh, you take the reins for a second. I think maybe I'm you know going over people's head or overwhelming them, and I don't mean to do that. Well, there's some things that sort of reamplify some things that Matthew brought up here. Now, we did a program over on End Time Tribune Media last night in the Crucible series, and after long deliberation, it had to be dealt with uh, before we move forward in this timeline, the bad shepherds and, unfortunately, at least a numbering of their followers and the role they play in all this. And as I had discussed, I was looking at the word itself there in the Greek for wind, and then I decided I was going to do another check on something. And look at that Hebrew word for wind. And this further amplifies here what it was that Matthew was stating concerning that there's people out there that are calling themselves Christians and they're not. Now, folks, you can go take a look on my uh, either of my Twitters right now, be it Over at Attention Show or End Time Tribune Media, for a couple articles that came out here in the uh, last few days, be it one was last year, but it was in tandem with one in the... Uh, I believe it's Washington Post off the top of my head that gave you a perfect illustration of what we're dealing with with those that are calling themselves Christians and they're not. And this generally, literally, breaks down to the simplicity of the matter of they say they're God's people and they're not. Because when we break it down to that in-depth extent, things start to clear themselves up a little bit. Now, when you consider 
Now, this word here is the uh, standard word for uh, ruach, for wind, in the uh, Hebrew. And, of course, this comes up a whole lot more times than your Greek word that's used there in Revelation. You've obviously got here, uh, in the Hebrew, you've got 361 matches. But there's something very interesting of its placement in Mark 13. And for those of you that have listened to us since uh, the beginning would know a little bit here about what we used to refer to as raps. And the book of Mark up to chapter 13, well, it lines up with Psalms 83. And again, this is why I uh, pointed this out, because this is something that um, we had discussed earlier and never really got completely around to fully explaining it. So I'm going to give a paraphrase to explain it. Starting here in Mark 13, uh, what translation? This is one of the uh, King James uh, translations. And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Now, folks, you need to take note of what's really being said here. I had had uh, brought up on one of the programs previously to have Matthew break that down in the Greek. I'm going to give you a little bit of a paraphrase here. Many are going to come in my name saying, we're Christians. We're anointed of Christ and shall deceive many. Now to skip down to where this word comes up with wind because you're getting a whole lot more information here than you realize. I'll start with uh, verse 10, but the word wind itself comes up in 11. And the gospel must be first published among all nations. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what you shall speak, neither do you premeditate. But whatever shall be given to you in that hour that speak you, for it is not you that speak, but the Holy Ghost. So, this is kind of where you go back up to verse 6. Who is it, who is it that's going to deliver you up? Well, you're told previously, and if you even continue forward from where I stop with verse 11, now the brother shall betray the brother to death, and the father the son, and children shall raise up against their parents, and shall cause them to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Okay, again, we're getting, right here, we're still getting these same parallels that we're discussing in Revelation chapter 7. And when you take this around to just the Greek, with the word for when there, you're getting a whole lot more 
really interesting points within this. Where in the world was I that I saw that right away? All right, let me pop this over to the uh, Charles Thompson because obviously when you're translating it, the Greek from the Greek, it's a little more helpful. This is in Psalms uh, 135, verse 7. There's something real interesting about these four winds and the four angels. Because there's something here I was thinking over earlier. When you stop and consider that the four corners, okay, there's a holding mechanism here in place. And there's something at the beginning of this psalm. And hallelujah, praise the name of the Lord, you his servants who wait in the house of the Lord in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. With instruments of music, praise his name, for it is good. For the Lord has made choice of Jacob for himself of Israel for his peculiar treasure. For I know that the Lord is great and that the Lord is above all the gods. All that the Lord pleased, he has done. Heaven and earth, in the seas, and in all the deeps. When he brought clouds from the end of the earth, he made lightnings for the purpose of rain. He, it is who, bringeth winds out of his treasuries. You get even more in the midst of this. But I want people to consider for just one moment what is going on here with verse 3. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. With instruments of music, praise him, for it is good. Recall how I brought up there's also a holding mechanism in place. Because this is why I find the instruments to be mentioned here very important. Because anybody out there that has ever dealt with a stringed instrument, there's actually some very important properties that you can quite easily learn concerning the physics of how time itself within our universe works. Because time is in rotations of the planets, the moon, all of this. When you understand those tensions on those strings, if you turn that tension too tightly, that string will break. If you make it too loose, it's just going to sit there and flop on top of that instrument, and you're not going to get any kind of use out of that string. So like I'm kind of bringing up here, this you're dealing with a holding mechanism as well. Besides everything else that's going on here. Now, Matthew, am I in left field on this, or am I thinking in the proper direction here? Oh, you're thinking in the proper direction, all right. I don't know why, know why you're asking me for clarity. Uh, these vibrations I was going to mention um, in lieu of Amos chapter 9. Uh, so, yeah, you're right on time, right on target. Keep going. Well, to even go forward here in just Psalms 135, because you're still getting this uh, 
you're still getting the same stream, the same messages all encoded with what we're looking at with Revelation 7. As you go on into verse 8, who smote the firstborn of Egypt to force the firstborn, both of man and beast. Amidst you, Egypt, he sent his signs and wonders on Pharaoh and on all his servants. It was he who smote many nations and slew kings of mighty power. Sion, king of the Amorites, and Og, the king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land for an inheritance. For an inheritance, now listen to what it says, people, because Matthew explained Israel before. An inherit, for an inheritance for his people, Israel. Lord, your name is forever. And the memorial of you to all generations. For the Lord will judge his people and take comfort in his servants. The vanity of idols is the uh, subtopping as I move this down. The idols of the nation are gold and silver. The workmanship of men's hands. They have a mouth but cannot speak. Eyes they have but they cannot see. They have ears but they cannot hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouth. May they who make them be like them. And all they have who trusted in them. O house of Israel, bless you, the Lord. Bless the Lord, you of the house of Aaron. O house of Levi, bless you, the Lord. Bless him, you who fear the Lord. Last two verses say something really interesting. Brings up Aaron, brings up Levi. It's giving you, once again, it's giving you another cross-reference, essentially, as Matthew was bringing up, writing down your own cross-references. I mean, folks, this is, um, for instance, on my computer, why I have notes that are stored away on multiple hard drives all over the place where I've ended up creating my own cross-references just from these specific spellings with these words in the original language. Because you're going to end up finding things that you're not going to find in any standard cross-reference. Now, there's obviously a lot more here in this Greek word, but um, for time's sake, I don't really want to sit here and go into each and every one of these. But, I mean, there are some things that really catch my attention at sort of the moment because Jeremiah 49, verse 36, and this is one that we have been... Quite literally, we have been talking about this chapter so much lately, it is unbelievable. So, of course, you have things that are coming up right here in uh, Jeremiah 49. And this one right here, as a matter of fact, is dealing with Elam. And in the midst of the series we're working on over on uh, the End Time Tribune Media channel with the Crucible, this is something i got to take an extra deep look at again because this is really uh draws my attention right away and of course it gets even um more interesting when you consider that it all shows shows up here in daniel 8 verse 8 and the goat of the goats became very great and when he 
was in full strength. That great horn of his was broken. And four others sprang up from under it towards the four winds of heaven. Once again, you're moving. You're getting the same repetition. God is going out of his way to tell you these same things over and over and over again. And he will do that even as such with just one word like we've talked about many times in the past. Now, Daniel 11, verse 4, of course, it comes up again. And this is, uh, folks, there's really quite a riddle going on here in the first stanza of Daniel 11, which we've talked about in the past. And I suspect in the um, Crucible series, it's something that's going to be addressed again. But this shows up in uh, verse 4. But as soon as this kingdom has been set up, it will be broken in pieces and divided towards the four winds of heaven, but not to his utmost bounds, nor according to his dominion, which he ruled. For his kingdom will be torn to pieces and given to others besides these. And then we've got it, of course, here in Acts uh, 27, verse 4, which is saying a whole lot when you read the context of this um of the surrounding chapter, this is a chapter, folks, that within my historical work, I kid you not, I have showed up in this specific chapter so many times that it's unbelievable. And right in here it is uh, dealing with verse 4. Now, I'm going I'm to play a little word game with one of these words here. I'm going to give what you would be referred to in that name in the Hebrew, and I'll give what we know it as, which is here in the Greek translation from the English as well. Having taken our departure from this place, we sailed close under Kittim, or as we know it now, Cyprus, because the winds were contrary. And of course, we bring it back around to Revelation 7, verse 1. There's a few I didn't cover in here for the time. Again, you've got this in 1 Chronicles 9, verse 24, Psalms 135, verse 7, Proverbs 9, verse 12, Proverbs 30, verse 4, Jeremiah 49, verse 36, Daniel 8, verse 8, Daniel 11, verse 4, Acts 27, verse 4, and of course in Revelation 7, 1, for those of you that would like to write this down for your studies. So I'll give this back over to you here, Matthew. Certainly. Um, In lieu of what Brian was talking about the vibrations and tuning a stringed instrument. I'm going to take pause right now, and I'm going to uh, take a look at the strange things that uh, Amos has to say. Um, And this, we know this mechanism is at play, ladies and gentlemen, because... How do the angels get trapped down here? How is it that they are prevented from going back up Jacob's ladder? Well, ladies and gentlemen, let's take a look at what the Lord our God says. He says about these rich rulers and the people who run the planet. The... Um, 
Well, let me read this in context with those that are at the altar. Okay, so I will read a little bit from Revelation chapter 6 and then read right into a God's description here so you know who he's talking about. These are the people that have martyred those that are at the altar. So if you uh, please go to my read-along, I'm starting here at the top with the blue lettering. I saw under the altar the souls of them that had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried out with a, long, with a loud voice, saying, How long, holy, Lord, holy and true, uh, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given to them, and uh, it was said unto them that they should rest ye for a little season until their fellow servants also, and their brethren that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. And here you see the Lord God of heaven answer their cry. Now you see him standing on top of that altar. I saw the Lord standing upon the altar, and he said, Smite the lintel of the door, that the post may shake, and cut them in the head. This is a direct reference, and here in a minute, uh, he says that he will use his hand to take their hand. This is an overt reference to them being, of course, um, the mark of the beast. Uh, but I saw the Lord standing upon the altar, and he said, Smite the lintel of the door that the post may shake, and cut them in the head, all of them. And I will slay the last of them with the sword. He that fleeth of them shall not flee away, and he that escapeth of them shall not be delivered. You'll take note, he just said that there's going to be a mechanism by which they can escape. Next verse. Though they dig into hell, thence shall my hand take them, Though they climb up to heaven, then I will bring them down. Just pause for a minute, ladies and gentlemen. How can those things be at play? Let me read to you this article. Scientists teleport a particle hundreds of miles. This is an accompanying headline. This was released, of course, April 27th, uh, 2018, this year. Quantum physics takes major step with Einstein's spooky action demonstrated. I'm going to read from two articles here and listen very carefully and remember what Brian just said. The new experiment used a pair of 15 micrometer wide vibrating drum heads. Researchers say that the next test will be to see if those vibrations are being teleported between two objects. The researchers have stated that the work has implications for quantum information processing, precision measurements, and is testing the li limits of quantum physics. The vibrating drum heads are about the width of the human hair. And while that certainly isn't massive, it is gigantic compared to the atoms previous experiments worked with. The team had to cool a superconducting electrical circuit to just above absolute zero for the experiment, and the microwaves were used to control and measure the experiment. Both drumheads on the surface were able to vibrate at high ultrasound frequency. The next step is an attempt to prove teleportation of mechanical vibrations. Ladies and gentlemen, 
I, I'm sorry to use the entertainment industry, but I'm going to have to. The reason why they're doing this experiment is because they think they can escape the great day of he who sitteth upon the throne if they're in the midst of a teleportation. Imagine you're watching Star Trek and you know when they beam people up. They think they can stay in what they call the phased stage. You know how they have that funny little special effect where they're light before they materialize. The Lord your God just encoded to you by using those particular words in the Hebrew and the Greek to point you to something that was going to be able to be done. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm not lying about the headline that I read to you. They have already teleported a particle hundreds of miles. It's already been done. It's called quantum teleportation. Now, look, um, this article here came out uh, July 11th, 2017. Okay, they've been doing this, ladies and gentlemen. So, let me say some things I'm not qualified to say, and I need to say that up front. Is this Jacob's Ladder? I don't know. I'm, that's above my pay grade. All I do is take the facts and then apply science to it. I said that backwards, didn't I, in your mind? No, the facts is the word of God. That's what the facts are. I take science and line up to it. So I've been watching uh, the topic... I've been watching the news, scanning the news. In the old days, I would used to go uh, to the library, and uh, every time that the library got their new uh, microfiche, I would uh, scan it for teleportation. So I've been watching this, oh, for 30 years, knowing that they were going to eventually be able to do it. But I'm not saying this is what Jacob's Ladder is. I'm telling you that the Lord your God told you that they were going to be able to escape. And you just need to come to grips with that. But he laughs at him. Why? Well, because he's God. Now, you need to understand that Brian knows all about tuning a string. doesn't matter if that string's in a piano. It's all the same. Stringed instruments is the same thing. Okay. Brian knows what you do in order to lower the pitch on something. Uh, how, do I, how do I put that? Uh, go from a high tone to a low tone, like a bass. What I'm trying to say is that what it could be encoding to us in Amos is that they figure out these frequencies and they can actually go into Hades. Now, we know that paradise is a protected island there. We don't understand what it means. All we know is there is a guff. But Abraham can talk to the people in Hades. We know that. The Bible comes right out and says that. So it's a protected place, so they can't go there. But ladies and gentlemen, that's just what the Bible just said. 
So this ties in, this is the inversion of, of the angels being trapped here. God does something with Jacob's ladder. I don't know if he turns it off. I, I don't understand. But maybe, no, I've already said it lightly. So no one understand what I meant. I mentioned the word lamb in the book of Revelation. Okay, and when you look at the word lamb in the book of Revelation, you're going to come to some startling conclusions. How is he first described? A lamb as if it had been slain. Now, we know that the Bible says that Jacob's ladder now rests upon Christ the King. So is this when the change takes place? I don't know. I don't know if... Well, I don't know. It's above my pay grade. I can only speculate, and I don't like speculating. But it's obvious that he, he goes to appearing like he's slain to appearing not to be slain. I guess now he's a... looks like he's a healthy lamb. And of course... The 144,000 Moshiim are accompanying him now. So does this machination takes place? God comes here, and then he goes back to Mount Zion, and when he gets back to Mount Zion, he does something to, to alter the appearance of the Lamb? I don't know. I'm just telling you things that the Lord your God really did say. He really did say these things, and he just stated it. He didn't tell you. He didn't explain it how it's going to happen. But now science is starting to tell us how they're doing these things, and it is possible. You don't have to like it. It's already past tense. They have teleported matter. They have done it. And they did it over may I, miles. May I interject a couple of things here quickly? Yes. Um. A couple of things. Um, I'm going to go between two places. I'm also going to bring something up in the Bible and explain some things in ancient lore. But I want people to take a look at something. Now, if you run a search term for music of the spheres, you will pull this up. Some call this musica universalis or universal music or harmony of the spheres. Now, there's a reason... With me, why I'm able to understand astrophysics in a way that I can, I'm a musician. I have done, played with bands for years previous to my days doing what I do now. And many of us um, heavy thinkers that I used to spend a lot of time with, we began to get in discussions about the fact that we all realize that our tuning that we use in this day and age is a tad off. It's not in perfect harmony. Now, when you begin this discussion, you're going to find out that there's been many people out there that have been working with a certain frequency. It's a derivative off of 144. They call it 432 hertz. It is very difficult to tune your instruments this way because you have to 
sort of playing around with the uh, varied tuning mechanisms, and they don't want to do this. They don't like it. Can I interject something real quick here? Just just a reminder. Yes. 432 is the circle of the Earth, ladies and gentlemen. There's not 360 degrees in the circle. There's 432. Sorry for the interruption. It was just a reminder to exactly. the people. Exactly, and thank you for bringing that up. Because, folks, I need to point out something real quick. Anytime I see that number, the four corners of the Earth, my mind automatically goes to 108 without hesitation because that is one quarter of 432. But if you look at this property of how the ancients used to understand this, right away you're going to get why it is my mind automatically looks at things within this light concerning astrophysics, not to even mention when I start to overlay some of the other things that have been discovered throughout time where I began to piece things together because of what the Bible itself says. And astrophysicists are now beginning to prove these things to be true. For instance, the electric universe theory. A much deeper topic, but ironically enough, it does tie into everything we're talking about right now. But I don't want to take people too far off track in this. But if you want to understand what we're talking about, go and look at this music of the spheres. You can even pull up a simple Wikipedia article if you want to, and you'll kind of get to a degree, because Matthew mentioned some other things there too in that article. He brought up drums. Vibrational frequencies, that's how a drum works. You take, you know, for instance, if you use the type of drum that's still being used all over the world, I even been I've watched a program that is based off of um it's basically a kind of a fictitious, fictitious program that's um, based on its Mossad agents in Israel. And they're all sitting around still playing the original type of drums. It's a skin that's stretched on top of a piece of wood and then is bound in whatever way it may be done. The vibrational patterns of that is very important. If you've got that skin too loose, again, it doesn't work properly. Now, just a little thing, because I haven't picked it up yet. I haven't had time to even look at it. Andrew Collins just released his new book, and he went to a place I had no idea he was going. He's talking about this new uh, Denisovian branch that has been found in the genetic uh, makeup of some of these people in the world and discovered up in Siberia. But he's talking about these very topics. The ancient people understood the power of those vibrations, of those frequencies, much longer topic. But I mean, it's you need to take this around to something else here, folks. And it, you know, for instance, the King James Version is, it makes it a bit clear. But if you go over to Genesis 11, verse 4, and they said, go, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Now, Green's literal says something real interesting, and they said, come, let us build a city and a tower with its head in the heavens and make a name for ourselves that we not be scattered on the face of the whole earth. Now, I had done some work years back that I intentionally destroyed. But there's a lot more going on in here in Genesis 11, folks, and everybody understands and when you consider at the point in history where we're at, the Internet has unscrambled the tongue. 
In two seconds, you, you can just go get Google Chrome browser, and it'll automatically translate everything. You can push um, closed captions on video people speaking other languages, and suddenly they speak your language. We should almost expect what Matthew brought up they're doing now to be coming to pass. Now, if you stop for a moment and consider some of the ancient lore, especially if you get into some of the really um, way out there to a degree, Egyptian texts that are talking about them traveling amongst the stars. Now, there's people that have looked at this from a shamanic aspect and consider this to be a shamanic form of travel. And it's, I think they're hitting on something with their ideas. But if you look at these Egyptian texts, you're going to see some real strange things going on where they're talking about doing what Matthew's talking about. You know, and he said to bring up, not to bring up science and entertainment, etc. Any of you folks out there that have seen the Thor series of movies and you look at what they're showing there, when they're going up and down through those varied streams in the universe, you get a real good idea of what it was that Matthew, to a degree, was talking about. The whole problem is, is kind of as he brought up, with the whole concept of this teleportation, well, if you break yourself apart, how do you put yourself back together again? I, I, I don't have answers to that. Some of that stuff, that's above my pay grade. Well, l- let me make sure people understand what he was talking about, drums. Um, a skin is literally a skin, and it's organic. Uh, these fancy drums that you see in you know, music videos and stuff, those are synthetic. Okay, so I don't want to talk too much about that. I just want to explain that one is organic and one is not. One works and one does not. I read the article, but I didn't shed light on it. There's a reason why the article came out and said that they wanted to, to use drum skins that was the width of a human hair. Ladies and gentlemen, they know a whole lot more than they're telling you. You just have to have eyes that can see and ears that can hear whenever you read the technical data, uh, the technical journals. Okay, so with that in mind, oh my goodness, uh, we've probably just completely blown people's minds off, but... We have to talk about these things. They're real. God literally come out and said in Amos that he was really ticked off at these people that had martyred his children. And that they were even going to try to escape into heaven and to Hades. Brian and I have just shared with you the scientific data about what's been found. And it's already past tense. They're already teleporting matter. Okay? This isn't fiction. Amos told you this thousands of years before it was going to happen. But when you read Isaiah chapter 24 and the, and the Lord your God comes right out and says, Well, I'm going to trap the angels on the earth. 
They're only with all the people that I'm ticked off with. Well, he's expecting you to have the wherewithal to understand that, well, he doesn't say he's going to take any of their power. It's not what he said. He's just going to trap them here. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, look, I, I've, I've stated this many different ways, but you don't have to breathe to live. You don't. The sun don't have to come up. Water don't have to be wet. The only thing that has to be is what God says. He's going to give us hints and clues, and like I said, this is probably a, re a reference to the visibility of why Christ, at the beginning of Revelation, looks as if he'd been slain. So he's, he's obviously looked like a sacrifice. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's bloody. He's got blood all over him. Um, and he looks as if he was the sacrificial lamb, but yet he's standing around. He's still walking around, and then all of a sudden, it does not describe him that way. You know that the Bible says and states about the uh, latter and Christ. I mean, it's not it, it's it's not trying to confuse you. Um, the Bible really does say that for a reason. So, you need to look over these things and, and just try to accept it. Ladies and gentlemen, thousands of years, God was giving you information that was just, there was no way you could scientifically explain it. But if you believed it, if you just believed it, He would explain it to you later. And that's just the way it is. That, that's the way it was. That's the way it's going to be. It, 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 it isn't any other way except the way God said it. Whether you can understand it or not. But literally, as the New Testament tells you that uh, Jacob's ladder is set up on the Son of Man. He's not joking. He's not joking. And you know this is this is tied up with sound. <laughs> he mentions a trumpet uh, during the great gathering. That sound, that's a vibration. It's organic because... Ladies and gentlemen, you can't work a trumpet with an air hose because a trumpet – how do I explain that? It's your lungs vibrating the trumpet, so the trumpet makes the correct pitch. So it's, it's a whole lot more complicated than you think, but um, I think we'll take a break, and we're going to listen – uh, to the read along again. So let me reiterate that in in the show notes. It's marked read along. Click on that. You're going to be able to follow along. On the top part is the KJV. The bottom part is the New American Standard Bible. You can read along 
as Amos is interwoven into the Revelation timeline. And it makes everything make sense. He tells you who he's mad at. He tells you why those that get numbered get numbered. Um, the purpose for... I mean, he, he explains everything to you. So, um, let me check time. Oh my goodness, uh, we've got 35 minutes left in the show. So, Brian and I is going to take a break, and we're going to listen to the read-along again. So, please follow along. And know and understand... This is what is to come. Not cunningly devised fables. This is what's really going to happen. We'll be right back in 7 minutes, 45 seconds. I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God, and for the testimony which they held, and they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Then white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. I saw the Lord standing upon the altar, and he said, Smite the lintel of the door, that the posts may shake, and cut them in the head, all of them. And I will slay the last of them with the sword. He that fleeth of them shall not flee away, and he that escapeth of them shall not be delivered. Though they dig into hell, thence shall mine hand take them, though they climb up to heaven, thence will I bring them down. And though they hide themselves in the top of Carmel, I will search and take them out thence. And though they be hid from my sight in the bottom of the sea, thence will I command the serpent, and he shall bite them. And though they go into captivity before their enemies, thence will I command the sword, and it shall slay them. And I will set mine eyes upon them for evil and not for good. And though they go into captivity before their enemies, thence will I command the sword, and it shall slay them. And I will set mine eyes upon them for evil and not for good. And the Lord God of hosts is he that toucheth the land, and it shall melt, and all that dwell therein shall mourn, and it shall rise up holy like a flood, and shall be drowned as by the flood of Egypt. It is he that buildeth his stories in the heaven, and hath founded his troop in the earth, he that calleth for the waters of the sea, and poureth them out upon the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. There was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it was rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Are ye not as children of the Ethiopians unto me, O children of Israel, saith the Lord? Have not I brought up Israel out of the land of Egypt, and the Philistines from Kaphtor, 
and the Syrians from Kerr. Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are upon the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from off the face of the earth, saving that I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, saith the Lord. For lo, I will command, and I will sift the house of Israel among all nations, like as corn is sifted in a sieve, yet shall not the least grain fall upon the earth. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, which say, The evil shall not overtake nor prevent us. And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and they were sealed, an hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed twelve thousand, of the tribe of Reuben were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Gad were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Asher were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Nephtalim were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Manassas were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Simeon were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Levi were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Issachar were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Zebulun were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Joseph were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed 12,000. In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen and close up the breaches thereof. And I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom, and of all the heathen which are called by my name, saith the Lord, that doeth this. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, and kindreds, and people in tongues, stood before the throne, and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes, him that soweth seed, 
and the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. And I will bring again the captivity of my people of Israel, and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. They shall also make gardens and eat the fruit of them, and I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. Good stuff, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that has helped to open your ears and your eyes. Let's take a pause and see some prophetic revelation. Now, I want you to concentrate on everything stated about Nathaniel. He mentions place, places what is talked about, and understand prophetically that, well, Nathaniel was saying, what did you do? Did you teleport and see me? Brian, please read John chapter 1, verses 45 through 51, please. Yes, indeed. And actually, I'm going to start at the beginning of the stanza because it's just always best to do that. The day after, Jesus desired to go forth into Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was of Beth- Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him, of whom Moses wrote in the law and the prophets, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can there be any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael said to him, From where do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You shall see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why this whole discourse prophetically took place. This is why Nathaniel said this. Does any good thing come out of Nazareth? Can any good thing be drawn out or extracted from Nazareth? Have eyes that can see when you read it and ears that can hear. Prophetically speaking, this is the key. You have to know Christ's vibration. Literally speaking, after the great day of he who sitteth upon the throne, mechanically speaking, we're going up to a zero-degree axis. 
that means our magnetic field is going to be in perfect alignment with the sun's magnetic field. Things are going to physically change, which we can't comprehend. However, know this in your heart. Everything will be only transversible with the frequency of Christ. Whether we understand that or not, that's what Christ just said. He said, look, you think that is neat. You will see Jacob's Ladder, the focal point, the event horizon, I am going to be, and angels will ascend and descend off of me. That's what he literally just said. So, uh, Matthew, something just hit me that might give more clarity to this. We've talked about this privately, and I think we've even mentioned it on air in the past. The first miracle, which nobody ever talks about. Teleportation. Yeah. Um, ladies and gentlemen, everybody wants you to think that the first time, you know, yada yada, he did a miracle was changing water and wine. Well, that's not what the Bible said. They tried to jump him, and he, what well, says he moved somehow through the crowd, and they couldn't lay their hands on him. And that happened before the wedding. Now, that's literally what the Bible says. He moved through the crowd, and they could not. Well, oh. When he did it, they could literally not physically touch him when he did it somehow. So, once again, something being stated in God's Word 2,000 years ago that that's above Brian and I's pay grade. We don't understand it. That's just what God said. That, that's exactly what happened. So, ladies and gentlemen, we make this strange verses about Nathaniel. Why are they talking about Nathaniel? Why does it mention this? Why is it important he's underneath the fig tree? What, why does he say that? No good thing can come out of Nazareth. The whole thing prophetically, now you can see, yes, it means what it says. But how can you contain God's word in one language? Ladies and gentlemen, you, you can't, for the love of Pete, try to understand that. You can't contain everything he's saying... In Hebrew, Greek, oh, let's just go the whole nine yards. Add Spanish, Russian, uh, 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 German, Italian. You can't do it. You just can't do it. Can't be done. Just like there's no way Brian and I can get through Revelation chapter 7 tonight. There's no way. But we have opened your eyes as to why it's written the way it's written. Why all of a sudden... Revelation chapter 6 finishes, and you're like, well, where's the next seal? Where's the next seal? Why hasn't it happened yet? Where did it go? Time is topsy-turvy, okay? And uh, Brian just brought up, well, maybe we should talk about Isaiah chapter 26 when this happens, but I've already alluded to it. Um, back to what I mentioned before uh, with Psalm 50, uh, Asaph's... Uh, prelude to his book comes right out and, and, and talks about Mount Zion. You're supposed to know that these children are going to 
be transported there to be with the lamb. And when they are, all of a sudden, the lamb doesn't look like it's slain anymore. It looks, I don't know, new or, or, or look, I don't know. It's above my pay grade. But uh, that is important. Did you want to read over those verses so people understand them, Brian? It's all right if we go to Isaiah chapter 26. We've Well, we're slaves to time, Brian, so we have so much time. Where did you want to go? That's, that's fine with me. Well, I would prefer that we just keep going with the rest of Revelation 7 because there's so many things in there to be touched. I mean... Uh, I'm going to have to bring this up for a moment because your atypical eschatological teachings are trying to tell you something about those 144,000 that is so unbelievably incorrect. It's just ridiculous. The atypical, they're going to try to tell you, well, that's a bunch of, uh, that's a group of Jews that have turned into evangelists in that time. Now, folks, this has always made me scratch my head. And, I mean, to give a primary example, you know, if you state you're um, related to one of the ten tribes that was cast off into, was uprooted and moved during the time when the Assyrian came in and uprooted and moved them, the immediate reaction that will come out of their mouth is they will say, so you're a Jew. All right, everybody, you need to understand something about what when they use that blanket term nowadays for Jew well when you're talking about within the 12 tribes you can take Judah Levi and Benjamin are the people that are making up what would be referred to as the Jewish people in Israel now we do know that some of those Ted tribes are coming home for instance we talked about this many times in the past there's been a very large group from the tribe of Manasseh that has been found in India, and many of them have started coming home. So yes, there are other people from these 10 tribes that have been moved back home. There's actually other ones nonetheless. You also have within this people that have converted to Judaism. And that gets a lot more drawn out and in-depth, but to cut to the chase and get past another um, fable out there. There's people that run around and are trying to say that the Khazar people are the ones that are in Israel. And, folks, I know a whole lot about the Central Asian people, the Khazar. I can assure you I also know quite a bit about genetics. Those Khazar people are not even of the same genetic basis as the people that our modern-day Jews inside of Israel. So that nonsense, you can kick that aside. The story about how it is that the people that were the Khazars converted is really, really quite something else. I, it's a really, just real interesting piece in history. We also know that we had, at the time that Christ was upon the earth, we had an Assyrian and his mother, for that matter, from her bill, a diabene, as it was called in those days, they also converted to Judaism, and there was a great um, amount of people throughout those regions going from, be it uh, 
Erbil-Adiabene going up even to in Armenia and some of these other areas, Azerbaijan. There were people in those regions as well that converted to Judaism when they did as well. So when you use that terminology, um, a Jew, it encompasses a little bit more than people are understanding. But to say that these people are some kind of evangelists, that's not, that's not even based in reality. So with that said, I'm hoping, Matthew, that we can move into this next portion a little bit. Yeah, we need to because we really got to cover the future perfect uh, tense here. He he literally says something. Um, yeah. All right, KJV, verse 14. And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which come out of the great tribulation, and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore... They are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sunlight on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them into the living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Let's concentrate very quickly on verse 15. Here you get the full meal deal in the Greek. You'll see that uh, the KJV leaves out tabernacle, even though that's what the word is. The New American Standard Bible has this correct. It states, he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. Here, ladies and gentlemen, the Greek does something it's not supposed to do. It says, skinosase. That is in the future active, indactive, third person, singular form. You can't do this in English. He's literally seeing the future, ladies and gentlemen. This is the future. So these that have come out of great tribulation, he's literally seeing this in future tense. So these people are after... Jesus comes back, and now you're able to understand why Amos says that that the reaper will overcome or will be able to outpace the one who plows. Because he, now you're able to understand this. They won't get thirsty. They, you will be able to – literally going to rebuild all the cities uh, on the face of the earth and all their – you know – Gardens, all their farms are just going to be off the charts. So it was imperative that we seen that, that it was that word there to tabernacle will spread his tabernacle over them. That's in the future sense. John is seeing this in the future. He's seeing the future. This is what's going to happen after the tribulation. Now, of course, what happens in the very next chapter? We go back to now in. John's time, we go back to a linear calendar here. You have to understand that. That's why that last stanza there, God will spread in the future tense after all this happens. So it's critical if you don't understand the future tense usage in Revelation chapter 7, verse 15, you're going to be completely lost. (laughs) You're going to be completely lost. That's the whole reason for the interlude, so you know this is is all because of the machination 
that God has recalled the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. He has reorientated planet earth in every way, shape, and form that can possibly be done. We are at the end of the broadcast. We're in overdrive. So, Brian, your comments on that. Well, this is specifically why it was that I stated what I did when you asked me what were my thoughts on this chapter. It's exactly why I stated your vantage point. Folks, from this vantage point, you can see forward and backward. You know, I, I there's some people that were talking about certain event in the Bible where one person's looking and wait a minute, why why is this why is this prophet over here with the measuring stick? And they came up with it being time travel. No. If you're in the center of the clock. Now, if you look a modern day clock with hands on it, you know that there's a little axle in which everything spins around that axle. You've got your hands, hour, your minute, your second hand. Everything spins around that center point axis. If you're sitting in the center, you can see in all directions at once. Now, maybe this is a little complicated for people to standardly understand, and I'm hoping I'm explaining it to a degree, but, you know, folks, we have to understand that God knows the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. Okay, when the identification, when Moses asks, who is it that you are? Say to them, I am who I am. When you look at that Hebrew word, you're going to realize something much deeper. Those Hebrew words, something much deeper is going on there. You can start at the beginning of John, for instance, and see the same thing going on here. You're dealing with time. You're going into some very deep depths about understanding time as to how God sees it. Man, we see things linear speaking, but that's not how time works, folks. Time is done in a circle. You know, I could give a real, real interesting uh, perspective from a fictitious show, but this is sort of outside of a lot of people's understanding. I had to explain this very in-depth in my own household to get our roommate here to see what I was trying to explain because the show, once you look at what they're talking about, all of a sudden everything's crystal clear. But you have to understand how the mechanics of time itself works. Like Matthew stated, he's seeing something future tense. Everybody, did you take note of what it states here in 7 verse 13? Take note of who's asking the question and how it's answered. And one of the Elders answered, saying to me, these, the ones having been clothed in the white robes, who are they? I'm from where did they come? Next verse, and I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, who said it to him? The elder. These are those coming out of, what is it? The great tribulation, and they washed their robes and whitened them 
in the blood of the Lamb. Now, when you go backwards into Revelation chapter 6, and you look at that fifth seal, what is stated there, everybody? Okay, you've already got the same thing being explained in Revelation chapter 6 with that fifth seal. Now, when me and Matthew were talking a little while back about the timeline that I've got sitting here, when we went to check a day coming up in the future, you see, it took me a little while to figure out some things. I realized I had to do that division by five to get this structured properly. That really says a whole lot more about time than everybody understands. And at some point, we are going to cover that timeline. It's just the time is not now. But there's a reason I used five divisions. That's very important within understanding time itself. Because this whole entire chapter, quite literally, the more... Everybody, you have to understand there's more going on here about time than you would first realize at first glance. All right, I'm going to hand it back over, Matthew. Yeah, that's that's uh, pretty well all we can do. Thank you for explaining that further. You're right, it's just like, ladies and gentlemen, paint a clock on the ground. If you stand in the center of it, you just – you don't move. You just spin, and you can see the one. You can turn and – see the six you can turn and see the seven that's what john was going through right there and god did that to him right there in the midst of the seal so he could see what was actually going to take place on the ground it is wonderful when you realize what god was actually doing um with john physically so, uh, with that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, um, wow, we better make this – well, it's six after, so we've got a few seconds. So the next WI2C radio will, of course, be Revelation chapter 8, which is going to explain to us the destruction of the – well, building materials, the straw. Uh, you will come to find out that uh, God remembers his wonders when he delivered the children whom he would straighten. And he remembers them getting whipped, beaten, uh, because even though they had to gather their own material, they still had to maintain the same quota of production. And uh, so much for... Uh, putting anything together after he's had his day. Um, well, isn't that going to be interesting? Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, Brian and I have a whole lot more work to do. We've got some highly advanced topics that uh, we have to cover. Um, me and Brian is going to go back uh, through uh, we're going to explain Jupiter, the sign of the Son of Man. How? Look, this is going to be a scientific episode. We're going to tell you how they've proven Jupiter really is going to come into a near-Earth orbit. It really is, and it's going to do that uh, because if it doesn't, Mraz, the 
celestial scapegoat will destroy the entire system. Now, on top of that, we have to do – still have to do one on the sign 2018. Nobody knows what's going to happen. I haven't shared it with anybody except Brian and Clinton. But I've already found two massive parallels with that exact sign in the heavens. One with the Swedish deluge and one, of course, uh, well, you know, the one thing that's one person I was hoping it wasn't going to have anything to do with, but it does because it points you directly to when Austria declared war on Napoleon and joined the Sixth Coalition against him. So we've got a lot of work to do. Um, I have set these episodes in the future, but as soon as Brian and I can do them, we're just going to go ahead and I can just go in there instantaneously and just switch the date and we can go live whenever we get to them. Thames and I also has a broadcast we've got to do tomorrow, uh, entering our rest as defined to the bridal gender. Ladies and gentlemen, you're bridal. You're not a man. You're not a woman. You're bridal. So we got to do that. We just got so much we have to do on End Time Tribune Media. We've got to get people up to speed on the confusion with the place names and what's going on as you know people that are uh, bombings going on in Syria. Well, you have to realize that those places on the ground they've changed the names. They don't want you to know what's going on. They complete confusion. So we've got so many massive things to do, but I hope tonight opened your eyes. Um, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I uh, telling my son about this today, the post that I made today. I wept over it, and he didn't understand that I'd been working on a manuscript, of course, before uh, computers, so I did it all on a typewriter. What you see on that post for the read-along, I had accomplished putting all of the prophets into Revelation in chronological order all the way up to Revelation chapter 13, and it was in – that manuscript was in the uh, barn when it burned down. God took it from me. So I had spent – it took me over 10 years to get to Revelation chapter 13 because all those were typed papers. They were typed up on a typewriter. Um, a lot of that I used in uh, – at the university. So uh, anyway, I hope you use that resource and realize you can do this with all of the law and the prophets. You can insert them right into the – uh, book of Revelation, and they go chronologically. You can just it, you can just weave it right in there, and it explains the whole thing. Uh, so, uh, Brian, your closing comments and thoughts, please. Well, just to further build on some of what you just stated there, um, once again, folks, with this sign coming up in this year in the heavens, yeah. 
this has everything to do with what we're working on over on the End Time Tribune Media and the Crucible. This very sign itself is tied directly into the clash between the he-goat and the ram. It's an exact isochronal event. So we're trying to get forward to those points before that time. I've had to sit back down at the drawing board myself here, having to go over a whole lot more material than I ever considered going over in the meantime getting there because the Alexander the Great portion of the history, that to a degree is the simple portion of it. But I have to understand things that are happening on the ground as we speak and that starts with that, therefore, that pivot point from 1979 during the Iranian Revolution and not to even mention, 1979 was one of those years that every direction you look, there are so many things that were set in motion all the way across the world that have an absolute direct impact on everything we're watching now. So this is why we're over there doing that series there's a lot of misconceptions out there floating around about this timeline there's a lot of people that are talking about the wrong things at this time now are certain players that are involved on the ground going to be involved in later day events indeed they are but you can't be focusing on these things getting ready to happen now when you are trying to cross off other things that happen to happen first and this does, it comes down to, like Matthew said, we have to have the proper groups of people in their proper places. And there's too much fiction and nonsense that's been spread over the years that has got everybody looking in all the wrong places. And what bothers me the most is when I look at our um, infamous uh, self-appointed watchmen or whatever teacher they may be, because I'm not calling all the teachers out there self-appointed watchmen. No, there's a different group of them that are that variant. But some of these teachers are just repeating the teachings that have come down throughout the years, and they don't know any better. Okay, that's, that's a whole different thing. I have no problem with that. They don't know any better. They're not intentionally doing these things. But there's so many things that have to be set in order before this. We're on a massive timeline, especially considering July. So, 60 seconds, Brian. But with that, uh, as far as the stuff that I have out there, um, well, it's under End Time Tribune Media. 